Really excited to chat with Sarah Carter. She's been a war correspondent um, in combat situations. So she's seen life and death up, up close. And now she's been concentrating on the southern border and for a long time. And she has a new podcast out called Dark Wars. And it's about the border crisis and what she's learned in talking to people who are being trafficked and talking to people who traffic people. You know, she's talked to, to, to human traffickers. I think that's dangerous. But then again, she's been a war correspondent. Um, she's talked to DSH ag- uh, agents who can't go on record, but they give her background. And the new podcast series is, is going to be a, f- a phenomenal thing. This is a part of her work. There's a crisis happening at our southern border, and the story you're being told is a lie. The overwhelming majority are being sent back. Chinese-backed cartels, drug trafficking, humanitarian crisis, slavery, sex trafficking, murder, terrorism. Future generations of Americans will be thankful for our efforts to regain control of our borders. Welcome to the Dark Wars, where we'll tell you the truth about our border crisis and how it's damaging our national security and ravaging your neighborhood. Sarah Carter joins us exclusively on The Todd Herman Show. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. What do you do when you take a woman who's an investigative reporter, been a war correspondent, uh, had to live through her husband losing his sight, defending our country, fighting for our country, who's now turned her attention to the southern border with a fantastic podcast series? Well, you have her on. Sarah Carter's about to join us. The... um, the thing that we did when we started this podcast, uh, and it's now, we're coming up on the one-year anniversary in about 15 days. We'll get to the one-year anniversary, was we took an absolute leap of faith. And we we're, we believe wholeheartedly that the Lord would replace whatever we lost from radio um, in terms of income. Well, he's done that. Uh, the Lord has done that and then some, to be honest. And yeah, the podcast has a long ways to go because the numbers are fantastic. You have been stellar. We thank you for that. But podcasts only thrive with growth. But I got to tell you, one day I'll tell the whole story about why I am always so thrilled to talk to my friend Zach Abraham at Bulwark Capital Management. Number one is the work he does for you and for me. Right? He, he has my money too. Um in his stewarding of our of our of our finances how he does it but there's the why great big huge why he does what he does because he knows what it is to need and when i as a brother in need having left the radio show and chatting with zach he came away and and came back in a fundamental way to help this podcast be where it's at and of course, he's benefited from that because the partnership between our two companies, mine and his, has been so good because it's such a solid match. 
I do everything I can to tell you the truth. Zach does too. You hear him once a week on my program talk about the realities of the financial market. That in and of itself is a service and he's a teacher at heart. But here's the thing I'm going to ask you to do. Do you know how good or badly your portfolio is set up to survive the chaos economy? That's what this is. I beg you, if you're five to 10 years out from retirement or 15, get with Zach Abraham and have him grade your portfolio for survival of the chaos economy. And if you are 58 years of age or older and you're still working, hey, you can slide your 401k over into Bulwark Capital Management. They'll manage it. And it's not a taxable event. It's pretty simple to do. So get in touch with them at Bulwark Capital Management, 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK. Or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without the client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative. Trick Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. I don't think she needs much introduction for this audience. Sarah Carter joins us. Sarah, welcome to the Todd Herman Show. Oh, it's so great to be on with you, Todd. Really, really great to be on with you, and especially about this topic and so close to election uh, day right now. And I think, you know, the border and what's been happening in our nation and as far as the chaos that I think all Americans are witnessing down at the U.S.-Mexico southern border is something that I think is front and center of topics that are driving people in droves to the polls. No, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, even up north, up in, you know, Idaho, where I'm at, uh, people talk about this because it's a sovereignty issue. It's a fairness issue. It's a law and order issue. And I recently left uh, well, three years ago, uh, what I call the separate country of Seattle. It's not just, um, you know, it's not just uh, amnesty for folks <laughs> there. It's, it's far beyond that, that they literally will not arrest illegal immigrants for things that they will arrest you for. And, and, and people, when they're pulled over by cops, will say, oh, I'm an illegal immigrant and you got to let me go. That is so amazing that you actually said that, Todd, because I try to explain this to people. And even in, you know, sometimes in the news circles, uh, I try to tell people, look, all you have to do is go down to Arizona, ask the cops, ask Immigration and Customs Enforcement, go up to Seattle, go to California, talk to the law enforcement officials that know they release illegal immigrants all the time. Um, and I was asking someone, you know, how how is this happening? Like, even if they find a stolen vehicle or if there's marijuana being transported or a drunk driving arrest or something of that nature, they kick them free. And I actually heard this from an immigration and customs enforcement officer who said to me, well, there's no money there. So the district attorneys don't actually make the full arrest. They don't bring charges against them because they're not going to get anything for it. And and because, you know, there's a lot of issues when you're dealing with immigration. So if they arrest an American, if you have a car, if you have a house, if you have a bank account, if you have a job, um, it's easier to get the financing that they need to bring the charges against you. So it's it's a money making operation, too. It's not just because they're illegal. They just don't have the money. Ah, arrest the American. Let the other ones go. And I've heard this over and over and over again, and it's quite tragic, um, mainly because when someone breaks the law, someone breaks the law and is violating the law and can put another person's life in danger. So it doesn't matter whether they're a citizen or not a citizen. They need to be arrested. They need to be held accountable. Um, and if, if they're criminal al illegal aliens, they need to be returned immediately back 
to their origination, their country of origination. Um, and if they've committed a crime here, they need to serve the time and then go back. Uh, yeah. And I hate to say that because I would hate to have to spend more money on them. Yeah. And, and you know, you spent so much time uh, on the border fact gathering on the ground that you looked at the nexus point of this. And we're told that the border is secure. Uh, I call Biden the figurehead. He's not running anything. And he's, oh, it's it's the most secure border. And uh, what in your new podcast is about this. And at the top of the show, I played some of the uh, a clip from the trailer in the new podcast in the series. What was the most shocking thing for you out of all of that? Uh, I know that's a tough question to ask because it's so shocking. But was there sort of one thing you want my audience to know that you saw, that you witnessed, you learned? Yeah, there actually is. And I've, you know, this is a culmination, I know, of the last few years under the Biden administration, particularly this year. But I've spent about 18 years, maybe a little bit more, covering the U.S.-Mexico border as well as Central America and Mexico. Was also a war correspondent overseas in Afghanistan and Iraq. And I understand those dangerous nexus between drug cartels, terrorist organizations, a chaotic national security situation at our border. But the biggest thing, Todd, that I gathered from my reporting, and it was kind of like an aha moment mm -hmm. this year, was how much our own government and senior officials are lying to us, are lying to the American people. We are supposed to be in charge of our government. They are not. They work for us. Our good, hardworking dollars, our American taxpaying dollars are paying their salary and their job, including that of the commander in chief, President Biden now, is to protect every single American citizen. And it's the reason why my husband went to war and fought and lost his eyesight. It's the reason why our best friend died on a battlefield. It's the reason why our brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers and everybody who has been affected by war or by this nation has fought for it's to protect our constitution and our country's sovereignty and its integrity and its national security. And I think the biggest, most astounding moment was when I just realized that we as the American people are constantly being lied to by the people we employ. And I don't blame the poor for trying to enter because the message was very loud and clear. President Biden came in, he rescinded all of President Trump's executive orders, everything that was in place to protect the border and to protect those that are being trafficked. He overturned Title 42. He, he rescinded everything else. The border was just left wide open. And he even made a statement saying, come on in, you know, this is wide open. So in this series, in this podcast series, um, you know, Dark Wars, The Border is what we call it. And the reason I think it's so perfectly titled is because it is Dark Wars. Those are happening underneath our noses with the misinformation, the misdirection, and the lies. And I think the American people are just sick and tired of it. I think we're all waking up to it. It's so in our face now. And we're trying to take our nation back the best way that we know how. And that's by exposing these rats, you know, and by yeah. exposing the people that are lying to us and holding them accountable. 
Yeah, no, and it's well said. And, you know, the lies are pervasive. Um, they're, they're across the board. And I believe the elites lie because they're afraid. And uh, I had a, 19, 2009, I had a congressman tell me, if people really understood what was going on in D.C., they'd be here with, with pitchforks and torches. And he gave me some examples of that. In his right. opinion, it was a rating of the treasury, right? Um, and that was, that was the economic uh, sort of uh, lie that we were being sold. But then there's this, and you'll probably be one of the few people who remembers this. I'm a little bit obsessed with it because it leads into my next question. But the Project Cassandra work that somehow got published at the Politico, I have no idea how this made it on other pages, that Barack Obama and right. his then Vice President Joe Biden let. They literally stopped a, a pending indictment and arrest of narco terrorists mm -hmm. in Mexico, in this country, um, and Taliban members who were shipping drugs uh, of, over, under, and across our southern border. That's, this is the Taliban partnering with narco terrorists. And Obama stopped the investigation, stopped the indictments. Right. So you you know that case, right? So should I miss? I'm very in that familiar case? with Project. No, you're not. I'm very familiar with Project Cassandra and an ongoing investigation under Eric Holder and the Department of Justice to expose the links, which were, I mean, extensive between narco terrorists and Iran and the movement of brown bagged money and laundered money to finance Hezbollah and terrorist organizations across the globe. Um, this has been something that has been ongoing in the United States. Eric Holder made it possible as well for them to just shut down the investigation um, because, of course, the Iran deal was more important to them, was more important to the Obama administration than the lives of all those that have been killed by the Iranian government all over the globe. I would say the Iranian government is the biggest terrorist organization on planet Earth. It finances and terrorizes people all across the globe, particularly here in the Western Hemisphere as well. Um, and so we had really good men and women within the Department of Justice, the DEA, Homeland Security, the FBI, all vested and involved in this massive operation and nothing in the end, very little, if nothing, very a small portion. I got to tell you, because this is just, it's so mind blowing to me when I used to work at the Washington Times. This is years ago. When I first went to Washington, D.C., maybe 14, 15 years ago, I became the uh, Pentagon correspondent. So I ended up not only working the border a little, but then I ended up going to Afghanistan, covering the war on terror, Iraq. And I was there back and forth for about seven years covering the wars. And one of the big issues that I kept writing stories about was the nexus between the narco traffickers, the Terror and terrorism, because the drug traffickers were shipping a lot of their contraband and their narcotics into Africa. They were going through Guinea-Bissau. I was talking to DEA. I had sources in U.S. intelligence. And when I would write these stories, the hammer would come down on me so hard from the government. They would try to spread disinformation about me. They would say I was an alarmist. There is no reason to think that the border would ever be a real threat um, against the United States, that there's no real nexus between terrorists and uh, drug cartels. And I was astonished at how much, and now I should be even more, but, but now I think I really am, at, at how much they vested in trying to take away the truth from the American people 
by targeting the reporters who were telling the truth instead of doing the right thing and protecting our nation and saying, yeah, we know, especially after September 11th, and we lost so many Americans, you know, that we know we need to do the right thing and we're going to work our hardest to fight it. And I, I have to tell you, Todd, what went through my mind at that time was, you know, why would they do this? So many Americans lost their lives. We're still losing lives. We're fighting in Afghanistan. We're, you know, losing soldiers. We're losing, soldiers are losing limbs and troops are losing their eyesight. And, you know, there's all these ramifications of war. Why would the U.S. government do this? And somebody in the DEA, a source of mine, very wise and much older than I was at the time, said to me, Sarah, it's about plausible deniability. They don't even care about them. They don't even care about you. They don't care about the country. They care about protecting the bureaucracy and protecting their jobs. And they can't control the border because they've left it so out of control. They've allowed so many people to move in and out, including terrorist organizations, that if anything ever happens, nobody in charge wants to be the one hauled before an intelligence committee or a commission and taken responsibility for that failure. So they all would rather just let it happen and then act like it's such a surprise than actually be held accountable. And you know what, Todd? I have to believe that that's part of the issue, that that's part of the problem. Well, it it, it is. And then uh, but there's also people who don't like our country. Um, You know, I just recently Lieutenant Lieutenant General uh, retired Jerry Boykin and the retired Lieutenant General says, oh, I love him. I know him well. Okay, so he he shared with us his estimation that the United States government is uh, infiltrated by the Chinese Communist Party way to the top. I don't think the CCP means as well. And I have this theory that Mm -hmm. I employ called the not chaos theory. And here's how this works. Okay, the -hmm. not chaos theory. Chaotic results are often, you know, they're often caused by ineptitude. People who just don't, they're not good at their jobs. But sometimes right. inept people end up doing the right thing. Sometimes there's happy accidents. Some, you know, it's this, it's the, the stop clock phenomena. The not chaos theory is when all the mistakes go in the same way. I have yet to hear about a bureaucratic mistake that accidentally made the border too tight. Uh, I have yet to hear of a, right. Of a right? <laughs> so this leads me to believe, right. well, wait a minute, where there's structure, there's intelligence. And right. there is an intelligence being employed to keep that border open, which brings us back to Barack Hussein Obama. Mm-mm-mm. And that is that he took advantage of that crisis. OK, so the Iran deal. I agree 100 percent. OK, 100%. so you don't think I'm an, a crazy person for thinking that a president who was raised on uh, Saul Alinsky, who then inspired the writing of the Cloud Piven theory, which is flood the systems. Um, and Francis Fox Piven going to the Rose Garden with William Jefferson Bly. No, with with. Uh, yeah. With, with Clinton and Gore and bringing us motor voter. Um, you don't think I'm a crazy person for suggesting that perhaps they are allowing the border to be overrun on purpose because they'd very much like to change the entire fabric of the United States. I don't think you're crazy at all. I think that we would have to be complete and utter. Um, I, I, I don't want to say I don't want to say the word idiot because that's not, we'd have to 
Well, we would have to be idiots not to question it, right? Because we know that the border is wide open. We know that under Biden, he has made it perfectly clear in this administration that they are going to do nothing to secure it. No matter how many times, you know, the Border Patrol agents or law enforcement or the Texas governor or any governor for that matter, or the people of Arizona uh, or the people of California stand up and say, oh, we can't handle this anymore. This is impossible. Or And now that it's spreading across the country, this is what my series talks about. The border is no longer the border. The border is in every single one of our communities. Or the fact that 107,000 Americans died of drug overdoses. And I don't even want to say drug overdose. I want to say fentanyl poisoning and drug overdoses in the United States that the CCP, the Chinese, are well aware that it's their precursor chemicals that are landing in the hands of the Mexican drug cartels and the narco traffickers, that they're using it to mix these deadly poisons, that they're shipping counterfeit pills into our country and killing our citizens at alarming rates, at alarming rates, 300 or more a day. And our government's doing nothing to stop it. So there has to be a reason why. And yes, fundamentally changing the fabric or strangely enough, you know, their idea, their ideology behind a new world type of order, this idea that we should lead from behind. I mean, this is their own words. This is, you know, Barack Obama's own words. Let's lead from behind. Let's give these other nations a chance to succeed. Why should America be exceptional? America's not exceptional. Yes, America is exceptional. And we're a melting pot of people from all over the world. But we have structure and order because we don't want, and what we don't want is corruption and chaos like we see in other nations. That is unless those in charge would appreciate that because that would allow them to retain more power. And that would take the power away from the American people, put the power in their hands, and and leave us high and dry in our constitution completely destroyed um, and the fabric of our nation torn. That I do believe. Yeah. And, well, we're seeing, you know, we're it's seeing, a tough thing for us to believe, you know, but it's real. Yeah. We're seeing it in the cities. You know, the cities have just been utterly destabilized. And it's not like we forgot how to arrest criminals. Right. It's, it's not like we forgot how to write laws. You know, cops are restrained. And you'd said it so well that the, you know, the border is no longer just at the border. It's in our cities. And, and the Dark Wars podcast um, that I, I really suggest that you subscribe to right now. The links are in the podcast notes for this show. Subscribe to that and learn right. about what it's like to have boots Thank on the you. ground there. What do you say to um, – I, I don't want to waste my time talking about Mockingbird media members. I know how they're going to treat this. But what do you say to Hispanic Americans? Um, I, I don't even like the hyphenated phrase, but you have to say something. Um, well, I, let me ask you a different way. What have you been – Asked by people of Hispanic descent who are Americans uh, about your work on the border, and what what are the misimpressions that people might have about what uh, Americans of Hispanic descent think about this? I'm an I'm I am on my mother's side a Hispanic American. My mother was from Cuba. I'm a first generation on her side, born in America. I speak Spanish fluently. I learned it from the time I was a child, um, and it's it's second nature to me. Um, <laughs> I talk to the children that cross that border. My heart is broken mm. for them. They're being trafficked by the yeah. worst of the worst. 
I've spent time on the ground in this podcast series with human traffickers, believe it or not, in El Salvador. Um, I did an extensive interview with the human trafficker. Uh, I spoke with the president of Guatemala, President Jamate of Guatemala. I've met him on numerous occasions. I've also spoken with the former president of Guatemala, Jimmy Morales. I um, talked to leadership in Central America. I'm traveling to Mexico this month. Some of my closest friends are fighting human trafficking and human slavery are from these nations, are from Mexico, are from Spain, are from, you know, Spanish speaking nations in Central America and have worked diligently. And they all say the same thing, that the leadership is lying to all of us, that people are being used as political pawns on both by both parties here in the United States. I'm going to open up and just be straight about that in many cases, but more so by the Democratic Party. And it needs to stop. We need to first protect our country, which is made up of people from all over the world, citizens from everywhere. All of our forefathers and our families have immigrated here from somewhere, unless you're Native American and you live here. But even then, somebody came from somewhere, right? Um, but we, our fabric of our nation is strong when we protect it, when we actually work together as one nation. And what really frightens me is that we, especially right now, what we're seeing with the leftist Democrats, this is not our father's Democratic Party. This is a leftist, very radical leftist Democratic Party that is dividing our nation, pitting us against each other, pitting our children against each other in the schools, pitting us against the migrants that are coming across this border. These Some of these are criminals and some of these are good people. That doesn't matter. What matters right now is that we shut down that border so that we stop funding the drug cartels and the human traffickers. Because in all reality, our government is is complicit in trafficking human beings into this country. And our government, if it does not stop this, and I believe already is responsible for the deaths of so many people. So many people at the hands of these cartels, because the cartels are the ones that are walking away with the hundreds of billions of dollars with no restrictions, no rules. And it's our law enforcement officers and the American people that are really paying the price. So when I talk to Hispanics, what do they say to me? The same thing I'm telling you right now. They're tired of it. They want our country protected. I spoke at a Hispanic leadership conference in Miami. They were telling me the same thing. These are people from Guatemala, Honduras, not just Cubans, people from all over the country that are like, we need to start focusing on our nation. We need to start playing by the rules and forcing our government to play by the rules. We need laws that actually work so that we can rebuild and protect the Western hemisphere. Because guess what, folks? We Just like you said, Todd, we have adversaries out there that are watching the chaos in our country and they're licking their chops. They're wondering when and how are they going to make a move on us? And that's China and that's Russia and that's every other adversary like Iran and North Korea that has their eyes set on the demise of our nation. So we shouldn't let them have it. We should fight for it and we should put a stop to this. And, and I think First and foremost, please follow the Dark Wars podcast, but but let's get to the polls and let's vote these 
failures out of office, no matter what party they are, if they don't do the job that we have asked them to do, take them out of Washington, D.C. They work for us. We don't work yeah. for them. That's my thing. And I don't I don't have any problem telling them that all the time. <laughs> well, and you've never had a problem telling them that. That's why we love you and admire you. And we're so thankful for you. <laughs> yeah, <work>. right. <laughs> No, it is. And the podcast is linked in the podcast notes here. If you are watching this on Rumble or YouTube, it's right down there. Uh, do subscribe, share it with friends. And remember this, that God Almighty is not a God of disorder, but of order. And he's a God of law, a God of law and order. But uh, he's pro-choice. Do what you want. But there are circumstances and consequences. Sarah, thank you so very much for coming on the program. We appreciate you. Appreciate your work. We'd love to have you back one day. Coming up, a little message, a couple of uh, emails. Catch up on those this week at a screw up with tech and move Zach to Monday. Zach Abraham. The uh, soda weight loss protocol. Have I explained this to you about how it is not a one size fits none environment? If you ever walk into or we see an ad for a, um, a weight loss company and it says, lose this much fat in this much time, run away because they don't know you. <laughs> they can't say that. It's like gain that much muscle in this much time. Mm, no, there's a whole, whole range of things related to that. Genetics, the time you put into it, how you lift, when you lift. Likewise, with the sort of weight loss protocol, they have an idea of how much unwanted fat people are going to drop from their bodies each week, dependent upon how they are, how, whether or not they stick to the protocol and very dependent upon who they are and the trigger foods they have and how much fat there is to lose. And then the big, big number for soda weight loss at sodaweightloss.com or big determining factor is uh, keeping it off. Right, That losing it too quickly for some people is going to be the thing that causes you to boomerang, particularly if you've had the fat on your body for a long, long time. Right, So the nutritionist you talk to will create a plan that is designed for you, and then they'll talk about, here's our expectation. And they measure themselves. They put themselves up for measurement. They don't have the you know phony reviews that are things that they pick and choose. They're in the tough audience of Google reviews. Okay, So it is over 7,000 reviews. You can get five stars. That's perfect. They're an average of 4.8 with over 7,000 reviews. And then there's the persons, the people. The people who are going to talk to you about you, they'll talk to you about them. Most of the people at Soda Weight Loss have been through the fat loss program themselves. And yes, I gladly refer loved ones to it. And I'll do it again. I'd look you in the eye and tell you Soda Weight Loss, S-O-T-A weightloss.com. It stands for state of the art, sodaweightloss.com. Mark from Richland, Washington. Mark writes to the Todd Herman Show. Dear Todd, I'm a faithful listener of yours. I've listened to you since you filled in for Rush. Yes, God rest him. Uh, my question is about my employees. I feel called by Christ to share my faith with my employees, but living as I do in what you call the separate country of Washington, I'm deeply concerned about this. I feel it could lead to me being a target of Bob Ferguson. By the way, didn't you used to call him Sideshow Bob? He says parenthetically. Yes, I did. I stole that from a guy named Kevin Carnes. It's a great name for the so-called Attorney General of Washington State. 
Todd, I feel called to share this faith, but I do believe it will put a big target on my back and that would equal the income of my family and our college savings. This is also a generational business. I've taken over from my father who took over for his. We've always been strong Christians. My question is, do you think I should share my faith at work as the boss? And specifically, I want to minister to my employees. How do you advise I proceed? Mark from Richmond, Washington. Mark, thanks for the note. First of all, I'm not a lawyer, so nothing I say could be conceived of or perceived as, as legal advice since I ain't no lawyer. Uh, but let me say this. I would be very careful in Washington State about sitting around reading the gospel or asking your employees to do that. Be very, very, very uh, careful about that because, yes, it will put a target on your back. We need to be shrewd as serpents and gentle as doves, and we cannot hide our light under a bushel. So in my opinion, um, being able to minister to people, I love that you use the phrase minister, which really means care for, that we look at the discipleship process this way. There's share, connect, minister, disciple. So sharing is sharing of yourself. So I can tell that you have a, a heart for caring for people. And so one of the ways to do that, to share yourself, is to share the struggles of other people and share your struggles I mean, there's things you don't want your employees to know, and I get that because you are friendly but not friends. But you can sit with them and say, hey, you know, we've had family members struggle with alcoholism or we've had family members struggle with this or that, and you are sharing or sharing your life that you're coming in and saying, hey, can I show you some things I did over the weekend? I'm really excited about some things I did with my family, and it doesn't need to be church things. You're sharing, and by sharing, you're inviting sharing back. So you have employees who want now to be shared back to. They want to share with you things that are going on in their life. And that creates this connection. And then the ministering, I can tell that you want to do that. But ministering means caring for, right? That you now are attending to people. Certainly, God's word is part of that. But when you do that, you're doing something else. You're showing your employees that there's something different about Mark. There's something different about his family. They treat me differently than other people do. They treat me in a more loving way. And if they ask, and people will ask, then you can tell them, look, this is my faith. And my faith dictates that I, I respond this way to people. And this is what I do. And it's my joy, too, because a lot of times as Christians, we fail to communicate the joyful part of Christianity. My wife said the other day, yeah, you know, since you become discipled, we see a lot of changes. You're very, very earnest, but I don't see a lot of joy. Well, that was a heck of a thing to say in a service to me. Like, I need to be better at being in the fruits of the Spirit. Now, at that point, if people are then asking about this and they're asking about, hey, why are you this way? Then I would feel free personally to invite them to church. But I would say as well, hey, listen, you know, please don't consider this any, any sort of pressure. You're a great employee. We don't, we don't, we're not here hiring people because they're Christian or not Christian. That, that, that doesn't bear on this at all. But if you wanted to come to my church, I'd be glad to have you come. And be shrewd as a serpent, gentle as a dove, and know that there are people who will use what you do there as an opportunity to destroy you. And I don't want that to be true, but it is true. And that's just a fact of living, particularly in a separate country like Washington State. God bless you. Thank you for the support of the podcast. And uh, God bless your family. Generational business is just, just amazing, uh, the way that provides solidity to the family. Thank you so much. Wendy from San Francisco, California. Dear Todd, I'm new to the podcast. I didn't pick it up through Rush Limbaugh. I had never listened to Rush Limbaugh. 
I picked it up through a friend of mine who saw you speak at a church in Washington State. What you're doing is brave, and I just want to run through a couple things. Number one, I want to understand your credentials as a pastor. And number two, I want to understand your background in theology. I love the program. I love the way that you present things. And I'm leaning into becoming a fan. It's even made me consider conservative politics more. I am not a liberal, but I lean right, but I'm not a hardcore conservative like yourself. Thank you so much for what you're doing, Wendy. Wendy, thanks for the note. Appreciate that. Uh, I'm not a pastor. Uh, so my credentials of pastorhood are none. I, I'm not a pastor. Uh, my background in theology, uh, casual. Uh, within the past, I'd say three years, it is rigorous. Uh, I've spent a lot of time reading assignments uh, given to me by my pastor, who is a real pastor, uh, pastor of a very, very successful ministry called Real Life Ministries. Um, I study a lot, and I am very near to signing up for a pastoral, it, you could think of it as an internship, and they describe it as a, as a residency. So at that point, my training will become very, very formal. So I am uh, doing what we're told to do, which is to share, connect, minister, and disciple. And I try to make clear as often as I can that I'm not qualified to preach, but I can share testimony and my interpretation of the Bible. This is, by the way, in the sh why in the show notes. When, we reference, uh, when I reference scripture during the show, um, I try to put a link down to the exact scripture I mention. And this is why I always encourage people to get into a church environment your own self a good biblical church with a biblical worldview. So you're actually getting the, the, not just being taught, not just being a consumer of church. That's one of the problems with the American church is that people are consumers of churches or of the church environment and not contributors, but certainly being taught as part of that. But then, so you can turn back and teach Wendy. I so appreciate that answer. And I appreciate you being very open about uh, the qualifications you're seeking. I don't have any. I've failed a lot. I've made some mistakes. Um, God's blessed me continually, and it's nothing I can earn. Thanks for the note, Wendy. Thank you for trying the podcast. And thank you for your friends who attended our, uh, our event in Seattle and for telling you about this. Come back with one more note. Um, you guys pretty upset with me for talking down Dr. Oz. This is the third or fourth note I've gotten like this. Hey, the MyPillow promotion uh, that we have going on with Mike Lindell, this is, a, um, this is a test for us. So when MyPillow reached out to us, uh, they, they recognized the size of the audience. They recognized the loyalty of the audience. They asked us to introduce you. But there's also this fact of life, and that is that MyPillow is very well known in conservative circles. And here's my, my pitch on this is there's an alignment with me and Mike Lindell, I think that goes beyond the product. Now, I sleep on his sheets. I love his sheets. Um, they're soft. I, I describe them as smooth and cool. Now, they're not like, they're not, you know, they're not chemically made cold, but they somehow hold their coolness better than other sheets. I don't know why that is. I should ask the MyPillow people, why is that? Now, I'm curious. No, that's actually the way I would describe the sheets, smooth and cool. They hold on to the coolness more so you don't get all hot in bed. Why? How could that be? Okay, now I've gotten off on a tangent. But I think that there's this other alignment with Mike Lindell is that I've sold blood for money. Did you know that? 
I really did. When I lived in the ghetto, um, it wasn't uncommon for me to go sell blood for money when I was trying to make it as a rock and roll star. And, and before I started working good, decent jobs, and I had jobs, but they weren't, you know, they weren't great jobs. But Mike also knows that. He knows that struggle. Secondly, <laughs> there's a lot of people who've tried to shut me up. You know, we had people pressure the radio station. You need to get rid of that show and we're going to boycott. And look what they're trying to do with Mike Lindell. So I think there's that connection. So here's the test. Right? In this buying season where we celebrate and recognize the birth of the Lord Jesus, give someone the gift of sleep who hasn't yet tried my pillow. And if you need a second set of sheets, make this the time that you do it and go to mypillow.com. When you do, Mike's going to give you the best offer ever, right? On the pillows at 19 1988, okay? So you use the promo code Herman for the special deep cast discounts on all my pillow products. It's mypillow.com slash Herman, promo code Herman. Mypillow.com slash Herman, promo code Herman. That's for the pillows. Then on the sheets, these are the things that I'm describing as ever more cool. I don't know how they stay that way. You go to the same website, okay? It's mypillow.com slash Herman. Use promo code Herman. You get the sheets for as low as twenty nine ninety eight. It's a phenomenal price point. MyPillow.com slash Herman. Buy the pillows or the sheets. And if you don't have the sheets, because I think most people have the pillows, but not the sheets, pick some up for a friend as well. MyPillow.com slash Herman. Use the promo code Herman to get deep discounts on all the MyPillow products. Tony from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. That's a, that's a Philly name. I don't mean this. I shouldn't say that. I only spend a little bit of time in Philadelphia, but Tony seems to be a good Philadelphia name. Well, for that matter, there's, yeah, it is. I'm not, I'm, I'm getting, see, but when I'm battling a cold, I get off on tangents. It really, I get brain fog. Tony writes, please stop trashing Dr. Oz. We need to vote for somebody. This is the problem with our party. People like you are often the problem. I want to be clear, sir. I love your show. I love what you talk about with Fouch, the Fouch, that you are willing to call him what he is, which is a psycho murderer. Stop trashing Dr. Oz. You don't live here. Let us make our decision. Let us make it in peace. Dr. Oz is not that bad. I've seen him speak multiple times. I think he's starting to get it now that he sees what the left is willing to do to him. You don't live here. Please let us live our lives in peace. I love the podcast, sir. Last thing, stop trashing Dr. Oz. Tony in Philly. (laughs) Brother, I love the note. I love the passion. He's not that bad. And Tony, man, at the risk of offending you, I didn't hear you defend anything about Oz. Look, let me say it this way. To vote for John Fetterman, and this is a cruel thing given that the man has had a stroke, but to vote for John Fetterman, you're not even voting for Fetterman. People who vote for John Fetterman actually don't know for whom they're voting. No, they truly don't. They're voting for someone. They're voting for the, the person, the last person to plug words into his computer. That's how he answers questions. You're voting for a word processor. And not to mention the fact his insanity on free all the criminals and doing events to, to free triple murderers and double murderers. And it's his wife. And I'm not, I'm not saying you don't vote for someone because their wife likes to have sex with men and women. But everywhere she goes, she wears a T-shirt advertising the fact that she likes to have sex with men and women. 
These are not godly people. Uh, these are not, they're, they're not the, certainly not discipled people. They're not godly people. And John Fetterman has not an ounce of credibility in terms of managing anything or understanding complex ideas in any way. Now, to defend Dr. Oz, I'll defend him this way. Dr. Oz can understand complex ideas. You cannot become a doctor at some level without at some level being able to comprehend complex ideas. And he was smart enough when the, the Oprah Winfrey thing came along to grab it with both hands and to make a gigantic income out of that and to write books and to build a brand and to hire people around him to build that brand because it's not just Oprah. He hired people. He's been successful. The TV show's been successful. He brought on other doctors and started to build sort of a franchise for himself. So clearly he can build. Clearly he's got some intelligence. You, you understand that you're voting for Dr. Oz, but he's also going to hire consultants and staff, and he'll end up being somewhat staff run And that what I think he wants to do is be on TV as a senator. So because, Tony, because I love you, I'm going to respect your wishes to not trash Dr. Oz in my response here. I, that's that's my pitch for him. There you go. That's my pitch. John Fetterman is a word processor. Dr. Oz is a doctor, even if I disagree with some of his conclusions. And I'm going to stop there because I respect you, brother. Hey, as we wrap this up for the day, let me say that we are legitimately getting close to one year since we started this. And I had so many people when I announced that I was leaving the radio station. First of all, I'll say again, Heroes send off. It was embarrassingly nice what KTTH and Bonneville did for me. But I had so many people step up and say, What can we do to help? You did it. The fact that you're here and you share the show with people, that's helped. It's 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 made it thrive. The fact that you respond to our partners and that you use their companies, that's huge. So huge. We've punched way above our weight on that, guys, because of how good you are. And there were plenty of people in radio who said, you're nuts. I had a very dear friend of mine say to me, you've got it really good here, Todd. They pretty much leave you alone. No one tells you how to do your show, right? You've got the Rush Limbaugh fill-in stuff. You've got great name recognition, even face recognition in Seattle. You have a great panel of advertisers who support the show. You've got a loyal audience. You could be here. You could retire here. You could be here another 10 years. You know, they're, they're offering you a five-year contract. You're nuts. But there was one thing missing in her analysis, and that was God. That the reason I left commercial radio was to put them at center. You guys have allowed me to do that on this podcast. And now, tomorrow, uh, 8 to 10 p.m. on Radio America, and I'll get an affiliate list soon on where the show's airing. We're just building the show, so we'll start with a good, strong base of affiliates and grow from there. But now it's a national radio show. This is your national radio show, guys. The Lord did it. He provisioned it, but he brought us together. So I want to thank you for the national radio show that premieres tomorrow night on the Radio America Network. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and remember to thank the Lord for the gifts that he has given you and the resources he lends us all.